With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Football Social Daily. Premier League podcast. Eddie Howe has a message on the wall at the Newcastle United training ground. It reads, we've not won a domestic trophy for 67 years. Sadly for Newcastle United, that run will continue for a little longer, at least, as Manchester United snapped their six-year wait for silverware, winning on Wembley Way in the Carabao Cup final yesterday. King Casemiro and Magic Marcus doing the business are Manchester United on the cusp of something special. As for Newcastle, pain today, but surely they'll be back in a final sooner rather than later. Chelsea fans must be looking at those two clubs and thinking they're a million miles away from success right now. More pressure on Potter as yet another Blues defeat leaves many wondering just what happens next. Whilst at the bottom of the Premier League, a huge win for Leeds as Southampton sink further, Everton are back in the mire, whilst West Ham, where has that performance been hiding? This is Monday's Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast from the Sports Social team. My name's Niall and joining me today, back from his exotic escapades at Centre Parks, Jim Salverson. Suitably bronzed, Jim? (laughs) Exotic is right. It's a (laughs) subtropical swimming paradise, Niall. It's a wonderful place to be. It is boiling in Centre Parks, like inside, in the swimming pool area. Although, no, it wasn't that hard. I think they might have um, been trying to save a bit of cash on the heating bills. There was a bit of a nip, a bit of an edge to the pool. You think they'd be able to afford it with how expensive it is. Yeah, exactly. Very much so. <laughs> and also in the studio today, Marley Anderson, the Newcastle fan amongst us here at Football Social Daily. How are you feeling today, mate? I'm not talking to you. <laughs> well, this is not going to be a very successful <laughs> podcast intro. today, or is Or more it? successful. <laughs> that was just a, a cheap shot of an intro. A so. cheap shot? Yeah, you can all... <laughs> My word. I want to know more about Eddie Howe's sign that he's got in the Newcastle dressing room. Is it like one of those ones with. It's like an inspirational message, I think. You know where you go Is that into... the one your wife's put on the bathroom that says, Jim Lee, put the seat down <laughs> after you've left the toilet? Hey, look, it's both of our bathrooms. There's got to be rules. <laughs> you've got to have it both ways. But you know, like those things you get where you go into a town and it says, no earthquake for like 20 years or something, and they flip it down every year. Is it like that at Newcastle? So it can like change and keep on moving forward. Well, actually, no it idea. was on a an LCD TV, and the last time Newcastle 
won a trophy. I don't think TVs had even no. been invented, <laughs> had they? So, sorry, Marley. No, it's a little bit much um, for Marley this morning. Obviously in pain, and we'll talk about the Carabao Cup final between Newcastle and Manchester United shortly on Football Social Daily. But first, we're going to kick off today's show, as we usually do on a Monday, with our Monday Moan. It's our feature called Get in the Sea. It's a chance for myself, Marley and Jim to cast off something from the weekend that's annoyed us in English football into the deep blue sea. Let's start with you, Marley, because seeing as you are a little bit miserable, you might even want to chuck my intro into the sea by the sounds of it. <laughs> What's got you back up over the last couple of days? I've, I don't know, really. I don't want to talk about anything other than the cup final, but also I don't want to, t- I don't want to talk about VAR. But the only thing I can think of that annoyed me is the fact that we couldn't get a clear decision for Casemiro's goal, which I do think was onside. My, my gut says it's onside and mm. stuff to worry about. But I want to know for sure by seeing a clear image. And all you've got with all the technology and all the money we've got in the game in a cup final is a grainy image that if you released it on CCTV and said, have you seen this man? Nobody would know what <laughs> the, who the f*** you're talking about. It's just like, you see it. And it's like, number one, it's from the wrong angle. So you can't possibly tell whether the line's in the right, in the right area. And then number two, you know, Callum Wilson's got, like, let, let's say there's like a clear image as like, a thousand pixels. This thing's got about four pixels, so you can't see where Callum <laughs> Wilson's foot ends. Taking on or a Dan Burns' thirty six ten or something. Yeah, you might as well film it on yeah on an old spud phone like potato. It's absolutely, it's just bizarre because I was like, I think I think it's onside. Casemiro's mm. goal just mm. uh, somebody's foot's offside. I think it's Carlos's foot is offside at the, the, at the far post or something like that. But he doesn't interfere with play, so that's not offside. I but thought I'd, that was I'd, it. I'd just like to know. I, I thought you could see. I thought actually from the image you had, you're right. It was considering the amount of high quality, high definition, 4K, 3D, whatever cameras they've got in that studio. Yeah. I don't know why the quality of the picture is so bad. Will this just be solved simply by something we've discussed for ages on Football Social Daily? And that's an audio feed of what the referees are discussing inside no. the VAR room at Stockley Park. That'd be bad though, because I honestly think... That if, would clear if, things up, though. I know it's I grainy I footage and stuff. I don't think, I think it would. Think I don't think it would because you, you would hear them saying, well, we can't really see clearly, so we've got to go yeah. with the on-field decision. You've got to make a call. And that, and that just, like, if that happened, we'd be sat here on a Monday going, even the refs don't know. Like, yeah. the refs don't have a clue, so how, how's anyone meant to do anything when those in charge don't know? But The confusing yeah, thing for me about that decision wasn't the fact that the picture was poor because I think there was enough on that picture that you could see mm. what was going on. And and you're right, there was a foot offside, but it wasn't Casemiro's foot, so mm. it was allowed to play. But what is confusing and continues to be confusing is there are other instances where that would have been disallowed for exactly the same reasons that it was allowed in that scenario that Van Verkost, if it was Verkost, was mm. offside but not interfering with play. Yeah. On another day... That would be given as offside and disallowed. And again, it's the inconsistencies we see. It should have been a goal, and it's right that it was a goal. Mm. But it is once more frustrating that we see different decisions on different days and different hours and in different matches. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't a free kick in the first place either because <laughs> Bruno goes shoulder to shoulder with, uh, I forget who it was, might have been Rashford. It's just absolutely not a I, not a free kick. I know how never that mind. feels. I know how that feels. I remember when we played against Chelsea at Wembley and... There was a foul on a Chelsea player, which wasn't a foul, and then Drogba smashed in the free kick, and Chelsea won the cup final one nil. Those are the moments you think of the morning after a cup final, where you think, if only. It's like the World Cup, the first of France's goals, which was the foul down in the 
corner. Oh, on Saka, hundred percent foul on Saka. It's, like, it's the same frustrations. Yeah. You want to rewind the clock, but yeah. you just can't. Mm. All right. Well, Marley, a little bit frustrated about VAR as we have been all season, and indeed since it was introduced to the game here on Football Social Daily. I tell you what, I'm going to throw in the sea lads. That is the idea that the Carabao Cup is a lesser trophy. Now, I understand that it might not be as prestigious as the FA Cup. It's certainly not as old as the FA Cup. It's not as difficult to win as the Premier League or the Champions League. I understand that. But the fact it's considered the kind of minnow of trophies, I don't like it. You just need to see the support at Wembley Mm. from Newcastle United fans who all credit to them, even 2-0 down with 10 minutes to go, knowing that they weren't going to win, sang their lungs out, gave everything, waved their flags enjoyed the occasion i also kind of hate the idea that everyone should enjoy a cup final because trust me when you lose it's not a good day out Mm. i hate this whole oh it's a great day out at wembley no one likes to lose a cup final it's gut-wrenching it's horrible but they gave their everything those newcastle fans manchester united fans were also excellent i thought generated a great atmosphere so i just generally think this idea that the carabao cup is a lesser trophy to win the carabao cup you don't come up against any non-league teams You've got to beat teams that are in the 92 divisions of English football. In the 92 92, divisions. (laughs) You've got to beat teams that form part of the 92 clubs in the professional English football league. So you're not coming up against non-league sides, conference teams, national league sides, teams that have got plumbers and sparkies in their squads. You don't have to... You know, you don't have to compete against those teams, of which, yes, everyone loves a cup upset, the proverbial banana skin. (laughs) Cliché, but it didn't work. But the chances are, to get to a Carabao Cup final, you need to beat other Premier League teams. I can't remember Newcastle's run to the final, Marley. But how many Premier League teams did you beat? No, I don't know how many Premier League teams each side beat, but I'm sure there were a few. I think Man United beat like Charlton and Nottingham Forest and Burnley, I think. Yeah, Uh, okay. Newcastle beat so top team in the championship that are flying and Nottingham Forest another Premier League team where does it come from the narrative then who is it's because Manchester City won it four times in a row and I think people are getting annoyed about it but it's been it doesn't really matter it doesn't care it's been that way for a long time it's not as prestigious as the FA Cup I get that but the idea that it doesn't mean anything or it's not valued is absolute nonsense look how much it means to Manchester United fans look how much it would have meant to Newcastle United fans oh, had they won. I completely agree. I just don't get it. For I don't think there are many fan bases. City might be the exception here that they are a, got a little bit bored of winning the League Cup because they have their eyes set on bigger prizes. They want the Champions League. They want the Premier League trophy. But for every other fan base, or certainly most fan bases, they'd love a day at Wembley. They'd love to be in a final and to have a chance of silverware. I think it's harder to win the Carabao Cup than and the FA Cup. Th- there's so few opportunities to do so as well. There's so few opportunities to get to any kind of final of any ch- time. And I think uh, there was something I was listening to this week. I'm going to completely forget the team and the stat here, which makes it brilliant. Half, Sounds good. Mostly pointless. Can't wait for this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. I think it was. They were talking about Fulham, and they were saying Fulham is one of only two teams in the football league, or something like that, that have never been to Wembley, have never been to a final in Wembley in any capacity. Which I was surprised because I thought they would have been at some point mm. would have been in a playoff final. But even like teams like Crystal Palace have never won a major trophy mm. ever. They've never won silverware. Crystal Palace It's madness when you think about it. So why are we then now sort of in this mode in modern football of denigrating and slagging off clubs for winning something? I isn't just it don't mostly? Get it. Isn't it mostly a stick with which to beat your? 
opposition yeah, like fans. I saw Arsenal go, fans. Ah, I don't know. It's like winning the Europa League or the Europa Conference. I saw it's Arsenal that. fans tweeting photos of Mikel Arteta with the FA Cup from three years ago, <laughs> four years ago. Like, oh, Mikel Arteta won his first trophy, which was more important and bigger than the Carabao Cup. Like, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. I just it just winds me up, so I'm I'm I throwing that you. in the seat. No, I'm throwing I agree it in the seat. I think there should be more respect than the League Cup, and I think it might be moving to a place where it is slightly more significant in fans and clubs' eyes. You don't get too many teams putting out completely second string teams within the Carabao Cup now. They seem to take it a little bit more seriously. Mm. But I think part of that kind of plays into my getting the seat a little bit and the lack of respect that's put on it. Because if you want to create atmosphere and you want to create interest and you want to create respect for a competition you need to get as many people involved and in consuming that competition as possible and you don't do that by putting a major final on pay-per-view tv you don't stick it on sky sports where only a portion of the population can watch it watch it any kind of final any kind of big sporting event for that matter should be free to air for the public to consume as an event. There also shouldn't be any other games on a final day. Do you there think, shouldn't be any other matches. It should just be the final, but that's a completely different topic. But yeah. Do you think that plays into what I say about why the Carabao Cup's viewed as less important? Because the FA Cup is on terrestrial TV, because even the Champions League final, even though you have to subscribe to a channel to watch it, when the final's on, they put a live stream on YouTube, for example, which you can then watch on your TV. So all the major finals in football, including the World Cup that we've just had, are all free to air. Carabao's almost the only one that isn't. Yeah, I think that probably plays into it, but it's kind of like a generational thing, isn't it? Like you, the, your memories you have or your love or respect for a competition comes from the games you've seen throughout your life growing up watching football. And there'll be kids around the country who don't support Newcastle, don't support Manchester United and didn't watch the game because it was going to cost their parents 13 quid to get it on Now TV. But if that had been on telly and they'd watched it, then that would then become part of their football culture growing up and yeah. they'd develop a love for that competition seeing, and a memory of that competition. Seeing the, the fans, the black and white, half Completely. of you know, the, the visual aspect and the, the the atmosphere and stuff could... I begrudgingly spent £13 to watch it on did you? Now TV. But, so, so did my dad. <laughs> and it was good. It was like, it was worth watching. It was like for the atmosphere and it was, it was a decent game, but part of that was driven by the passion of both sets of fans that are in the ground on the day and the atmosphere that was created. Mm. But yeah, you you need to have people consuming that from day one for it to become part of their football life to then build that respect into the competition. All right, Jim. Particularly is... in a cost of living crisis. Do my 13 quid back. Yes, very <laughs> expensive, that, isn't it? All right, Jim expensive. throwing that... You work at a football podcast. (laughs) Good point. Jim throwing that into the sea and that completes our Monday moan here on Football Social Daily. We'll be whinging about more stuff next Monday, but not exclusively on Monday because we do complain quite a lot (laughs) on this podcast. And if you don't want to miss a show, then hit subscribe and that way you will not. You'll be notified as soon as a new episode is released, including on Wednesday, where we'll be hearing from Southampton legend Francis Benali, who is our next guest on Football Social Daily this week. Next up on the show, we're going to be talking about the Carabao Cup final. We're going to go deep into it and figure out exactly where it went wrong for Newcastle and exactly why Manchester United were victorious. We'll do it next after this. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome back. It's the morning after the Carabao Cup final where Manchester United beat Newcastle United 2-0 under the Wembley Arch to pick up their first silverware since 2017 and their first trophy under new manager Eric Ten Hag. Casemiro and Marcus Rashford, or maybe an own goal, were the two goal scorers. Were Manchester United deserving of the trophy, all things considered, Jim? Yeah. Yeah, they were, I think... I'd be interested to hear Marley's partisan view to this, but I didn't think at any point in the game Newcastle really looked like they were going to threaten. Oh, Manchester I disagree. United's First goal. fifteen minutes, How I thought you spent Newcastle thirteen quid on Now TV and still come up with that. It took me eight, that it, it, take. It, it, it took me. Eight, it took me eight minutes to get the stream working. <laughs> I was <laughs> I say, the first, eight the first fifteen minutes, I thought Newcastle looked good. But I apart thought, from that, Manchester United got into a rhythm, and then I, I think it was tough. Once I thought they Newcastle dealt with Manchester United, but. Like I say, I didn't watch the first eight, nine minutes, so I can't comment on that. But if that was Newcastle's purple patch, then surely you need to do more than that to win a final anyway. But I mean, from Manchester United's point of view, I thought they just had a little bit more experience and it really showed. And the likes of Casemiro mm. was made the difference on the day. And Rashford as well, to that extent, yeah. you could tell they had that kind of big game mentality, which made and Newcastle have that opportunity again. And yeah. the experience they had in the final will bode well next time, but I just thought Manchester United were a, a slight level above Newcastle. I think that's really interesting that you say that because on Tuesday when we spoke with Marley and with Michael and Newcastle and Manchester United fan respectively previewing this Carabao Cup final, I asked whether Newcastle's relative inexperience in cup finals might be a worry and concern for Magpie's supporters. In the end, I thought the first 15 minutes, it was Manchester United who looked more shaky and more rocked by mm. the occasion than Newcastle. I thought Newcastle actually took it in their stride and from face value of that first 15-20 minutes, I think if you had said which team has been in a cup final before in terms of the players they had and which team hadn't, you would have said that Newcastle were because I think they started the better. But when Manchester United got into their rhythm, I think, as you mentioned, it was tough for Newcastle to live with them after they scored. As someone who didn't watch the first 15 minutes then, what was it about the first 15 minutes that Newcastle had in that period that they then lost for the rest of it. I think they're just enjoying the occasion. That's my perspective. I don't know what you think, Marley, because in the end, it did finish 2-0. Newcastle weren't quite good enough on the day, but their time will come. From what you've seen in yesterday's game, you must feel still a, a fair sense of pride from your team and your players. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to see... I mean, we, we sort of touched about touched on it last week when we talked to, to Michael and um, we said that you know, the nerves might get to Newcastle. I didn't want to see a nervous performance. Um, and I didn't. I thought we were. We settled into the game quickly. Mm. Um, there wasn't any any mistakes in the first... You know, sometimes you see sloppy, you know, 10-yard passes with too much mm. pace on them and they go out of play for a throw or you lose possession in a bad bad position sort of in midfield or whatever. But 
that never happened. I thought we were we were pretty good. Um, I thought the first half an hour was was uh, was was a decent game. Um, but I, I just think I think the the experiences we talked about last week was what won Man United the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've you've got to be like to win a game like that. You've got to be an experienced team because only experienced teams can. Um, cannot be dominant and still score yeah. when then when they're not dominant. And we were like, I'd probably argue we were the better team in the first half, other than the two goals. There was just two little split seconds where, like, you can argue about the free kick, but the header from Casemiro is ridiculous. He comes through two players. Mm. He mm. is marked. Yeah, it's not a free header. It's just a perfect ball in. And from all the talk um, about Carries as well, free. there's nothing Carries could have done about that header. It was just no. executed so mm. well. No, the, not the header, but the the second one. I was disappointed for him because the first thing I said was Nick Pope wouldn't would have just saved that, and so would Debravka. He just commits. He commits himself too early. He goes down too early. Yeah, deflected straight through him footed. as well. Yeah, he's well within his reach. To be to be fair, like he's thinking the ball's gonna you know come the shot's gonna come in. I've got to cover my near post because if I get beat at the near post, I look stupid. And he's probably going down too early to to cover that, and then. It comes off, I think it's Botman's foot, and uh, you know deflects up awkwardly and and goes over him. But felt sorry for him for that one. But I, d- I do think he could he could have done better. But yeah, it's um it's just them two little moments of of uh, of quality. And as soon as it was two nil, I thought like if it was one nil going into half time, I would have been confident um, of coming back. But it gets to half time, and uh, you know um, Dallow's booked, so he, he brings Wan Bissaka on to just follow. Uh, Saint Maximin round like a like a shadow on a pitch basically. Um, I thought Wan Bissaka was excellent. And they just, actually when he yeah, came, he was he was, he was he really brilliant. Was. He was brilliant. One thing I would say because I think one of the things that Newcastle lacked for me in that game was that kind of little that little spark, that little bit of magic from an individual on the pitch. I mean, Bruno Gomes, as he always is, was really strong mm. in the game, but he's mm. not the kind of player who has the magic to make something happen. And normally, you'd expect the likes of Saint Maximum to do that. And Max, St. Maximum seems to be... Bruno is. Really? Yeah. That's not yeah. what I associate. I like... Not, you, I mean, he doesn't do sort of, associate Bruno with them? I don't think... He, I don't think... What I think what Jim means is he it doesn't do pick mean, the like, ball up and smash goals in from 30 yards. But there was one moment yeah. where he played the ball, the ball through for... I can't remember who it was, but he took one touch and played a first-time pass yeah. through and someone was running into the, the box and it was just a really good ball. And I was thinking, this guy's a serious player. But yeah. I know I know what you're saying, Jim. You mean someone who can just... Take it on himself. Yeah, like, like, like Rashford's in the sort of form where... You can score tappings, but you can also pick the ball yeah, up twenty five yeah. yards out and bang one in the corner. I think but I, I, De Gea De Gea did make a really good save from, at one point. From Maximan mm. when yeah. I mean that was that was our sort of big biggest chance. Um I think it was I think it was a corner and it, it ended up breaking to St Maximan and you know, he sends Dallo just for just for a hot dog. You know, he just does him in probably I think it was only about five yards of space, but he sent him ten yards away from the ball. It was crazy like skill, but De Gea stands big and gets his hand to it, and I was thinking, Jesus Christ, that's got to go in if, if you're gonna strike when the iron's hot. And that was literally, I think, about three minutes later, Man United scored their uh, their first goal with Casemiro's header. What did you think about St. Maximum's performance? First half great, second half, Juan Bissaka just mm, pocketed, just, mm. yeah, just took him out. Yeah, he seemed yeah. to remind me of those players that sometimes you get when you play Sunday League that do the really difficult stuff mm. and will skin someone or turn someone in like an inch of space mm. and then just make the wrong decision following on from that. 
Do you know what G- I mean? Jim's, Jim's doing well yeah. this morning. He's called Alan Samaxaman, a Sunday league player. He said Bruno Guimaraes isn't very special. Christ. That's not what I said. Oh, goodness me. Right, OK, we'll have a laugh here in the studio, but let's hear from someone who was actually at Wembley in and amongst the atmosphere. Joining us now on the podcast, we've got Liam, a Manchester United fan. How are you feeling this morning, Liam? I'm not the best, but... Uh, <laughs> not the best, but no, no, I'm... I'm it, it was um, yesterday was amazing, but um, my voice is completely gone. Um, atmosphere was incredible, um, and yeah, honestly, the, the the sight of United winning a trophy again just makes me so happy because it's been way too long. I mean, I I think I was still in that year seven or something when we last won a trophy, so it's so good to see. But uh, no, it's, uh, I'm I'm feeling a bit worse for wear this morning. You're quite rare as a Manchester United fan in that you had to travel to Wembley from Manchester rather than coming yeah. over from the Surrey Hills or somewhere like that. <laughs> what, what was the train down like? I imagine the atmosphere on the Pendolino was as good as the atmosphere in Wembley, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was really good. It was amazing. And um, oh, the train was packed, so we we booked two seats on the train. We couldn't, we couldn't even sit down. There were so many people just singing and everything. It was just... And the, the tube was amazing. However... One of the things which I would like to point out, Wembley fan parks need sorting out a bit because they are not the best. But um, apart from that, now the build-up to the uh, the build-up to the game was amazing. The atmosphere was fantastic, and uh, a few beers were consumed as well. So <laughs> it was it was, it was definitely uh, definitely a good day out. Obviously, you were sat in the United end at Wembley, but yeah. what what was the view like? What part of the ground were you in? What did you see? So, yeah, so we were sort of right behind the goal to the left at the bit of the bottom and um it was great it was incredible the air there was a there was a great bit where um Carius, the ball <laughs> the ball had gone into our bit right behind the goal and Carius is there and he turns around and you can imagine ex liverpool you'd know what they're all chanting at him <laughs> and um and we've got the ball and we're just throwing the ball about behind the goal like that uh, to each other and Carius is there waiting for it and then just someone lobs it to the, to like the left-hand side of the pitch he has to walk and go and get it and everyone's cheering at him and it's just we I genuinely think we had probably some of the best seats in the house in terms of atmosphere because it was absolutely buzzing down where we were sat Would that be the best atmosphere you've experienced then as a Manchester United fan I, to this point? I would say so I would say so that either that or I mean Man City at home earlier this season was incredible as well mm. when we came back from 1-0 down and Barcelona was good but in terms of atmosphere yeah it was definitely up there and I think this season we've just ramped it up completely last season obviously we weren't playing great football and the atmosphere was sort of drying up at Old Trafford and it, it was like the attendance wasn't the best but this season it's been absolutely incredible even the smaller games we've got the atmosphere has been great as well so it's just it's a great time to be a United fan at the moment and uh, I'm expecting big things I was going to say does it feel like something's beginning to happen because oh yeah like the, the yeah. change at Manchester United in the what 10 months Ten Hag's been there seems yeah. to be so dramatic and they've come such a long way and they yeah. just look like a really accomplished team in that final does it feel like there's it's more trophies inc- on the way it's incredible yeah and one of the one of the funny things about it is that We've still got a lot of the players from last season, but Ten Hag's managed to not just improve their quality on the pitch, but we had so many last season, the leaks coming out of the dressing room and stuff. Mm. It was it was really, really bad, and it was coming from everywhere. 
this season we've not had a peep from anything. So it's either Ten Hag's cleared out everyone who was who was leaking information, and I've heard like maybe it was coming from what Dean Henderson. Apparently he was a culprit of it. I don't know, but we we just seem so much more together, and it, it was like one big unit: the fans, the manager, the players. We're all just one one unit, whereas last season it all felt so disjointed. And I think that's completely down to Ten Hag, and I absolutely love him for it. And I do think this season we might have a couple more trophies in us. This season, a couple more trophies? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, he's got a point, to be well. fair, Jim. First one's in the now. bank. We're, we're still in everything. I think FA Cup, I don't want to put a curse on it, but who's left in it? Us, City, maybe Brighton are all right. Leeds, but I can I can see us doing it. I can see us wow. doing it. <laughs> Greedy <laughs> already. <laughs> you know, Europa League as well, maybe the Premier League. Who knows? <laughs> oh, we will wait <laughs> and see for that. We're coming for it. <laughs> oh my word, Liam! Listen, we'll let you and your voice recover. Thanks for joining <laughs> Thank us on the you. podcast, mate. That's and right. um, hopefully, the hangover clears up soon. <laughs> yeah, hopefully so. Football Social Daily. Good to hear from Liam there, who was in and amongst it at Wembley, nursing a bit of a sore head this morning and needs to get his voice back. Um, he mentions he thinks it's the start of something from Eric Ten Hag, and Ten Hag has actually issued an open letter to supporters this morning, which you can read, I think, on the Manchester United website. And he talks about how even the fans that weren't in Wembley, we could feel your presence and the squad knows how important the fans are. And he stressed the importance of togetherness. If Manchester United are going to achieve something big this season, do you think they will? Marley, do you think that this is the start of something from Eric Ten Hag in terms of sustained success at Manchester United? Or If I had a pound for every time I heard a Man United <laughs> fan say, this is the start of something new. It's another I'd, corner. I another be, corner turned. Yeah, I would be retired. There's a lot of corners in a maze. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be retired at 31, just sitting on a beach in the Bahamas doing nothing. Um, but this time, I do. I honestly do think they're, they're coming into something. Oh, Ten Hag has been has been great for them. Um, sorted it out. You know there was a lot of problems about uh, like like um, Liam mentioned before. You know um, he's there was problems with there was something. You know there was leaks and you know not a, uh, a completely together um, club basically, and that's a, a problem created by the past the past decisions. You know the 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 chairman. And stops uh, stepping down in 2013 when when David Dean went with the same at the same time as uh, as Fergie and then you know a few short term managers and no long term vision but you know if you're gonna if you're gonna bring in short term managers they need to do the job short term um, and get results short term and he's been the only one really who's who started to do it so far with um, with something with some sort of signs that the long term vision is is coming as well. Um, but yeah, he's, um, he, they, they look a really good team. Uh, you know, this week's been huge for them, beating Barcelona. I'll tell you last week now, but mm. you know, beating Barcelona and then winning the cup four days later is is something that will put plenty of wind in your sails. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me now if they they chase down and we're, we're right in this this fight for for the title. It does feel slightly different, doesn't it? Too. We joke that Manchester United have been there before in terms of there's been a new door and it's felt like the beginning of something special, but it does feel this time that there's more substance to that performance. And the big winner at Wembley, let's not forget, was Ten Hag's coat. I don't think I've seen a Manchester United manager with a coat that good in a long time, which is a big, it's a good sign. Wait till you see how much it costs. 
could have just, a new we could have a new Scott Parker on our hands. I was just it's a, a, a nine hundred euro coat or seven hundred euro coat from Uber Norway. I've never heard of Uber Norway, but Uber I now Norway. like them and I want Uber their coats. Norway. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast Uber Norway, you can do so for the price of a coat. Okay, well let's send this to Uber Norway and see what they come <laughs> yeah, back yeah, with. Please. Just had an email as well from Manchester United saying that the second goal for them in the final has now been credited to Marcus Rashford by the officials inside the stadium who were there. So it is not an own goal. It will go down to Marcus Rashford, which means that's 25 goals now for the season for him in all competitions. Before we move on from the Carabao Cup final, there is one small matter to sort out. You might know if you've listened to this podcast regularly over the last few weeks, Jim and Joel made a bet between themselves, 10 quid, the winner gives the money to charity, as to who would win a trophy first out of Newcastle United <laughs> and Manchester United. And in the end, it was Manchester United. They shook on it and we need to solve this. So I reckon we should get Joel. I can see Joel outside the studio. I reckon we should get him in. Hang on a sec. I can see. Look at the smile he's on his little, face. He's got a little smug smile on his the face. The smile on his face. Might just then. punch him when he comes in. <laughs> Here, Here he is. is. Look at him. He's in the ship. Pleasure, boys. Look, I was he's... wondering why, when you were going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> He's sat down. Right. Okay. Let's get to it. <laughs> He's Let's absolutely get to it. zipping around the studio. Joel, um, well done, mate. You've won the bet between yourself and Jim as to who would win a trophy first out of Newcastle and Manchester United. Well done. 10 quid. Who are you going to donate your 10 quid to? It's the um, National Deaf Children's Society charity in Manchester, um, which would be going to a good place. But with regards to the bet, I mean, for me, it was never in doubt. It was never, ever in doubt. If you come for the Kings, you better not put Laurie's carriers in there. Do you know what? Doesn't it display how... Hang on, this is a dig at Jim, not, not a dig at... This isn't a carriers digging out podcast. Ah, but it's Newcastle by association, is it? I've got to. Well, it's I've Manchester United-West Ham on Wednesday, so we can have another. We can have Are a we round doing this two. again, Jim? Try and go again. Double or nothing. I, like, I can tell you he's going to win a trophy between Manchester United and um, Newcastle <laughs> and West Ham first. But doesn't it show how far Manchester United have come? Because when we made that bet... Well, we, not really. It was about four weeks ago. Well, that's it. In four weeks. We were talking about the future Harry Kane and which club he's most likely to go to when you look at the clubs where he was likely to win a trophy. And it felt at that period that Newcastle United were the resurgent team. And for, I think it's flipped around now. I don't, no, at the time, right, you three were talking about my club like they were whole You're still city. not going to sign Harry Kane? No, but you... I you, didn't well, say anything, by the way. I was just here. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't think we're going to sign Kane. It was just, basically, what this whole situation is, is we've all got roped into Jim's b****. <laughs> so Jim's, Jim is now right. a he definitely made I'm... that bet thinking that it would not be a cup final this soon between no. either it of was those very clubs. Pro- it was poetic though. I loved how the storyline just literally came yeah. true within about a month. Yeah. But, the thing I, know, would, I would say, I think <coughs> f- from Newcastle's point of view going into that final, it's like what has let them down slightly and it's a really difficult thing to manage and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Marley, is that you can't suddenly expect your form to go from the form they've been in to cup final winning form in a game. And the cup final 100% has become a distraction for Newcastle. Getting there, the league form has dropped off. And it's up to the team and the manager to maintain that level of consistency, a level of form going into the cup final, which Manchester United 100% have. Yeah, They've been building up and building up and building up. Whereas Newcastle have kind of gone, well, the cup final's in Yeah, I get months, that, but I think it's easy that. to say that as a fan 
of a different club. Yeah, I was of the sure. two that are in the final sure because it's really it's, difficult. It's to different yeah, for um, Manchester United because they know they have to finish in the Champions League and win trophies to be deemed a successful club. Newcastle United, as we've mentioned, has not won a trophy domestically for a long time, decades we're talking here. I don't know, I don't want to speak for Marley, but if I was a Newcastle fan, I would happily finish outside of the European spots to have won that Carabao Cup yesterday. Mm. Because the game, as I always say on this show, is about glory. You remember the trophies you win, you remember the big moments, the big games. And I think Newcastle fans would rather have tasted glory yesterday, won a Carabao Cup, than worry about finishing fifth fourth in the league this season they would rather have won the trophy I think, I think it comes down for the team it comes down to what we were saying earlier it comes down to that experience doesn't it because Manchester United as a team are used to being at finals so it doesn't become the big distraction because it's not as much of an event but for Newcastle it kind of became all consuming and you're right it's really difficult to manage that and the only way you can do it I think is by having been there and done that which Newcastle now have so potentially next time it happens it might not be so much of an issue mm. I think, I think for us, it wasn't even just about the club being used to trophies. It's been six years, which, relatively speaking, is a long time for United to go without. I think it was purely the individuals we had on the day. Because I don't even think Newcastle were bad. I thought for the, th- for the first 30 minutes, uh, if you'd struck while the iron was hot, you could have definitely got at least a goal in that first 30. It's just the fact that we weathered that 30-minute storm and then you saw the characters we had, like Casemiro getting the goal early on, Varane leading the line at the back. Martinez completely controlled throughout and managing his own temperament and it just showed throughout the game and that's why it was just very professional I don't think either side were incredible I don't Mm. think United were incredible but like Jim said I think it was probably more beneficial for us in this last week that we had the Barcelona game the momentum was good it was almost like it wasn't even the peak of our week the Barcelona game had such a height to it that it was like okay let's go to the next one we got the final then we got another one to come didn't even time to think about it but for Newcastle it was almost like the 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 uh, waiting for a wedding day wasn't it you just couldn't stop thinking about it until it actually arrived but yeah it was a good final and um all right let's go on shake hands lads shake hands there you go well Well done done. well done i'll make the payments to the charity you mentioned and also i'm going to make my own donation to war child as well who are doing amazing work in ukraine at the moment looking after the children in that region that are affected by Russia's illegal invasion of the country. So there's only one bottom line, there's only one winner, the charity. Yeah, it's exactly. not my win, although Absolutely. I do take a little bit of it. Joel did ask me off air if he could have the tenor instead of giving it to charity. <laughs> hey, no, on the record, and that did not happen. <laughs> I text him saying, is there a cash point nearby? You might need to draw out a tenor. Um, the Football Social Daily charity bet has been settled. War Child will donate £10 there as well to the National Deaf Children's Society for Manchester United winning a trophy sooner than Newcastle. That settles that. Maybe we should make another one soon, lads, because that was quite fun actually doing that and it gives some money You're to charity. You're never far away well. from Jim making a stupid bet. That's what I've learned from, <laughs> from uh, working with Jim for the last four years. I He's... bet you I don't make another one. <laughs> well, West Ham score more goals than we win trophies on the weekend. Well, West, West Ham scored Honestly. more goals in one half at the weekend than they've managed for absolutely yeah. ages. When ago. West Ham get a new manager, Jim will come in in like July, August, full of beans and be going we're going to get top four this season I bet everyone 20 quid and obviously they're going to, he might as well set up a flipping mm. standing order to War Child it might even be top four of the championship that he's referring to or at least it could have been had they not have won at the weekend against Nottingham Forest big win for West Ham a huge win for Leeds at the bottom as well but more misery for Southampton and Everton back in trouble too we'll talk about the Premier League games over the course of the weekend next on Football Social Daily
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Hit subscribe and that way on Wednesday you won't miss our interview with former Southampton man Francis Benali. We'll also be speaking to ex-Tottenham Wigan and Blackburn player Pascal Chimbonda next week as well. So if you've got any questions for Big Pascal, get them sent in to us at FSDpod is the Twitter handle. You can also find us on Instagram and on Facebook as well. But for now, we're going to look back at some of the Premier League games that took place over the course of the weekend. Obviously, a reduced schedule. We've got FA Cup coming up this week and it was the Carabao Cup final yesterday. But all of the attention, it feels like, Marley was at the bottom of the Premier League table over Saturday and Sunday. A huge win for Leeds United in the process of beating Southampton, of course, took points off a relegation rival and sucked the Saints further into danger. Massive win that, especially for Javi Grazia, who picks up three points in his first game as Leeds manager. Yeah, the uh, the new manager bounce was uh, was in full force again. Um, proper, I mean, I nearly put this in the C um, earlier, but the, the defending by Southampton for Leeds' winning goal was staggering. I've never seen anything, no instance this season of defending that bad. Because I think it's um, I think it's Somerville gets it in the corner. He's got two men on him. Do not let that man out the corner. Put him in the crowd before you let him out that corner. And he gets out the corner. And then there's a back heel that goes through a defender's legs on the byline. Just again, just tackle him. And then there's a a, a p roller of a shot from a left footed um, left back with his right foot. So it just trundles towards goal. And Jan Bednarek decides to. Um, <laughs> Is probably I've never seen a defender purposely leave a shot from from eight yards, trusting his goalkeeper. But all he does is leave it and also get in the way of Bazunu's um, vision, and then Bazunu lets it through his hands as well. So it's four instances there of absolutely just terrible decision making, um, and Leeds get a what is what is and what could be a, just a, a massive massive win, um, and it gives them a little bit of a little bit more breathing room it suffocates Southampton that little bit more it cancels out their win over Chelsea really because if you say you're going to get three points from the games against Chelsea and and uh, Leeds mm. that's that's what you'd expect you'd expect mm. to beat Leeds you'd expect to lose to Chelsea under normal circumstances but you know you've you've put yourself right back in there now and that momentum of the Chelsea win has been sucked out of you by you know school by defence I played Sunday League on uh, on Sunday and I honestly seen many instances of better defending yeah. than that Southampton thing it was awful that now, puts... <laughs> <laughs> that now puts Southampton four points from safety at the bottom of the Premier League table their next game is against Leicester City four defeats and one win in their last five Premier League games. Similar struggles for Bournemouth, but before we talk about them and their game against Manchester City, Everton have dropped back into the bottom three, Jim. Probably because West Ham United picked up a rare victory against Nottingham Forest. First of all, how happy are you with that win? How important was it? And secondly, what does that mean for Everton and Sean Dyche, who are back in the bottom three? Delighted with a decent win. First decent win in a long, long time for West Ham 
four goals against Nottingham Forest. You can't really complain about that. What I would complain about is the lack of the ball that we had during that game and also the amount of time it took West Ham to actually put the ball in the net because they should have been 1-2-0 up long before the 71st minute whenever Danny Ings scored the first one. But a big relief for West Ham. And Where's that form. performance been? Where's that been hiding, Jim? We're just... The, the, the way West Ham set up to play football, they don't play in a way that they're ever going to score huge amounts of goals at the moment. They're not going to absolutely steamroll our oppositions. They hold the ball, they wait for other teams to come onto them and they play counter-attacking, defensive, boring football. I think whatever happens at the end of the season, and I think West Ham will probably stay up, the board need to look at the manager and the type of football that's being played because there's been no development. I have a question for you about David Moyes. He was interviewed by a national radio station after the game, after the big win, and he was asked about whether the win was important, not just for West Ham, but also for his future as the manager of West Ham United. Mm. And he snapped back at the reporter. I think he's getting a little bit annoyed about the questions over his job. He says that he gets on really well with the owners. He's really happy with the owners. Everyone inside the club is confident that they'll be able to stay up and get themselves out of trouble. It's all the noise from you guys, as he referred to the reporter as, from the outside, from yeah. the media, that's beginning to get on his nerves. And he actually says, off the back of Graham Potter's comments about his mental health suffering as a result of his poor form as Chelsea manager, he says that football's the only industry where people are able to go into a workplace and ask someone if they're about to be sacked or replaced by someone else. And he said to the reporter, no one's coming into your workplace and saying you're going to be replaced and putting pressure on you all the time. So why is it fair for you to do it to me? What do you think of that comment from David Moyes? And do you think it's just something that's a part of football and he'll have to accept that? Yeah. Is it just the way it is? Yeah, it's part of, it's not just football, it's sport. And I'd say it's probably more than sport as well. I'd say it does extend to the media. The amount of times you get a individual from a TV show who's going to be replaced or someone says something slightly dubious on a radio program and yeah. suddenly the world's calling for them to be sacked. It happens all the time. Can't it's make part mistakes. Of, it's part of being yeah. in the public eye and unfortunately if you're a football manager you're in the public eye. And the flip side of that is, and it isn't a trade-off between mental health and money in your money. pocket, <laughs> but at the same time it is. And David Moyes, if he is sacked with three years remaining on his contract, say, gets three years of money. If I get how, sacked tomorrow, I don't get three years of money. Yeah, what well, do you get? A, a month of <laughs> yeah, yeah, your exactly. notice period or exactly. whatever it, it is? It doesn't really know, work so the same way. So I think yeah. you've just got to suck it up as a football manager. It's part of the deal. It's part of what you take on. Abuse is one thing, but pressure is something else. Mm. And what he's talking about isn't abuse, yeah, he's talking about pressure. There's yeah. a fine line. Yeah. Yeah. And But managers, it, it annoys me when managers get too defensive about it like yeah. mm. if results are poor you're open to criticism like Steve Bruce said it at the end of his Newcastle time obviously he got really tetchy about it and obviously some of the some stuff crossed the line you know if you're calling him a, a fat useless idiot that's crossing the line but if you did on several occasions well yeah but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to cross the line I don't care but if you lose you know if you win one game in 22 yes you are you, you are open to criticism and in that in that uh, instance in that example you you are open to it, and uh, like Potter at Chelsea is the same. He's 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 open to criticism. He's being quite uh, friendly about it and dealing with it well so far. But he can't um, can't be Chelsea manager and be on the run that he's on and not expect criticism. I agree. Yeah, I know, and he needs time as well. But, but you know, people we'll, are idiots we'll online. It, people are idiots online. There's, this is the yeah. thing I don't like because David Moyes is snapped back at this reporter. This reporter is not messaging him saying he hopes his family dies. No. 
You know, that's not what he's doing. That's social media trolling, that is. David Moyes has always been very defensive when people have criticised his managerial ability. He was like that at Sunderland. He was like that at Manchester United. He always talks about his past successes. And there's only so long you can talk about your past successes without any current successes. Mm-hmm. And I think he's very... he He's not realistic in that sense. He's a very defensive, very negative interview when anyone talks to him even off the back of a win he'll find negatives in that which he appears to have done so now okay well West Ham United with a big win over Nottingham Forest that drags them out of the Premier League bottom three puts them 16th leads with their win over Southampton 17th 18th Everton Joel Sean Dyche two wins two losses how's he doing so far because he's managed to get Everton off the bottom of the table but there's still now a point from safety at least yeah, it was strange when he first came in and he got that victory against Arsenal and I was thinking, oh my God, this could be the catalyst for their season where it all starts to come and fall into place. And then they had the Merseyside derby and it just hasn't really reached those heights that it got at Goodison Park that day. Um, I still think that they will be safe under him, but I think it's just going to go to the wire this one because there's just so many teams around them that have the individual quality that I don't believe they have. Like, even when you look at Nottingham Forest, they made so many signings in the summer and they've got so many players in that squad and yet they're still being dragged back into the uh, title race, back into the relegation race. Um, And again, you know, you see all these new manager balances with Leeds getting a new manager, Southampton getting a temporary interim manager. It's hard to, it's really hard this year. Usually there's this one standout candidate for going down, but honestly, Everyone who is around that 12th and under, mm. and I don't know if that includes Chelsea anymore because I don't no, know where they are. Only <laughs> <laughs> um, just. <laughs> they're just on the threshold. I don't think anyone's safe. I really, usually every season, there's the, those two that are 100% certainties, and they have that one in the 18th position where you think, okay, they have a chance. But Everton, I still think, are really in danger at the moment. Mm. And again, it's all about who can develop that consistency and who can win those games against those teams. Because it's all right winning winning against Arsenal. But if you're not going to beat um, the likes of you know Southampton or the likes of Nottingham, they're the ones that are the six-pointers, aren't they? I think that's it. I think Everton are better than they were before Sean Dyche came yeah, in. Yeah, and he can't yeah. solve a lot of the problems they've no, got because no. a lot of the problems they have are down to the personnel they have in that team. And he can't solve that. But he's made them better. He's made them harder to beat. And they are picking up some results. But whether that's good enough to pull them away from the relegation zone exactly the reasons you say Joel there's a lot of teams that could potentially go down that are all taking points off each other at the moment do you know who Everton have got next Arsenal again oh well they they do like a good game against Arsenal they do like a good game against Arsenal and of course Arsenal winning against Leicester City in the Premier League at the weekend Manchester City smashing Bournemouth that puts Bournemouth second bottom and in the bottom three as for Arsenal, they maintain their lead by two points at the top of the Premier League, having played one game fewer than Manchester City. The title race is almost as you were, Marley. It's exactly in the same position. Arsenal did their job beating Leicester. Mm-hmm. Man- Manchester City did theirs by smashing Bournemouth. Yep. We're all on next week for an, for another instalment. It's kind of a bit of a damn squib when they both just win fairly comfortably. Well, Arsenal looked quite good against um, uh, Leicester. Was it Leicester? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they look quite good in only seen the highlights, but well, it was the it was the most battering one nil victory yeah. <laughs> I've seen in a while. Put it that way. Yeah, I thought uh, Trossard and Trossard as a, as a false nine was quite was quite nice. Um, and yeah, you know, simple as simple as that. Really, you know, Man City were never going to struggle at Bournemouth. I don't. They they always hit 
whoever's in charge at Bournemouth, they always absolutely batter them, whole man, <laughs> whole man away. And you know, you, you don't need gifts like Phil Billing playing suicide passes across his back line and giving it to Phil Foden and stuff like that. So yeah, they were knackered, and I'd probably say. If I was nailed on for anyone to go down, I'd probably pick Bournemouth. Mm, but yeah. Um, yeah, Man City looks strong again. Haaland scored, Alvarez scored, everyone scored. And, it's you know. a good year, isn't it, for the Premier League? There's stuff happening yeah, it's exciting. right the way yep. across the table. Top, bottom and the middle. Yeah. And in terms of the title race, as we mentioned, Arsenal-Everton is their next game. On Wednesday night in the Premier League, Manchester City, their next test is at home to Newcastle United. So the title race rolls on. Um, let's talk about Chelsea, though, because we touched upon Chelsea and Graham Potter lost the game at the weekend, beaten by Tottenham Hotspur. That means now that the gap between Chelsea and the top four is 14 points, Jim, between themselves and the bottom three, the relegation zone, just 10 points. So they're closer to relegation than they are to the Champions League spots. For a club like Chelsea... That's pretty stark. Graham Potter, of course, massively under pressure at the moment and actually referenced Mikel Arteta in his post-match press conference and he referenced Mikel Arteta's Arsenal start. But, you know, as much as he can say that, even Arteta's Arsenal start wasn't as bad as what Chelsea is showing now under Graham Potter. It's really difficult to put your finger on exactly what's wrong there. And I said last week that it feels like, or the week before, that it feels like someone's going to get a pasting from Chelsea at some point and it still kind of feels that way. Just got to wait for it to gel. Like those three big signings they made in the January window, João Felix, Modric and Fernandez, they've not won yet, which seems ridiculous, doesn't it? That you've spent that much money on three players that have come into a decent-sized football club and they're yet to get three points. It's goals. Chelsea are some of the lowest scorers in Europe's top five leagues yeah. since before the World Cup. Mudrik has come in, as you mentioned, zero goals, zero assists. Looks mm. like a hell of a player. No end product right now. And you could label that across the entire Chelsea forward line because they are just not scoring goals. I, I really don't know what is wrong with them. Well, other than the fact they can't score goals. But even like like Man City never had that problem, did they? When they didn't have an out-and-out goal scorer. There should be enough goals in that team. They've got Aubameyang. He got some minutes against Spurs, albeit about seven or eight at the end. But there's your answer. You've got a proven goal scorer in your team. You've just got to mix it up. You've got to experiment. And... Graham Potter needs to find his way out of this because although the board have said, no, he's here for the long term, he's our manager for the next few years and they won't even question his position. At some point, if the form continues, they're going to have to start asking questions because the expectations of that football club are far higher than what's being delivered. Five goals since the start of November for Chelsea. That's awful. It's bonkers, isn't it? They're, They're just in that position where... Nottingham Forest were at the start of the season where he just doesn't know his best team. Doesn't know his best team, doesn't know his best formation. They looked at the bench and they've um, at the weekend, I think they started um, Koulibaly and Thiago Silva at centre-back. They've got Fafana uh, and Badi Ashile on the bench. And I was like, them two combined are 120 million, 130 yeah. million quid. And it's like, if I know, I'm not saying they should start, I'm just saying like he doesn't know which ones are best because you wouldn't spend that much money on them to put them on the bench. You would put them in the team, mm. but he probably thought I'll play a back three. But he's played a back three for so long, and they've been they've stunk the players out, and they've been mm. that bad. And he's got that many attacking players that you need to get more attacking players in your team. So you probably need to play four three three like he is. And he's going right, Mudrick, and Mudrick only gets ninety minutes because then you, you play Ziyech, and then if he doesn't do well, you play Pulisic or Mount or, or Havertz or Mudieke or Sterling, and it's like someone's. Someone's got to have a worldie to stay in that team. Yeah. Otherwise, he's going to keep rotating and keep causing the same problem of no consistency 
and players trying to find a balance in the space of half an hour against the top opposition. But you look at the team he's got, and not just the first eleven. You look at the first eleven, like the players on the bench as well that you mentioned. And you go that is nailed on a top mm. four team. The yeah, quality yeah. is there. You could almost make two top four teams out of Chelsea's yeah. squad. Yeah, yeah. But they, if they played eleven, the same eleven every week, mm. sooner or later they would find. But that is would on find that team and that gel and that. Uh, that is chemistry. on Potter though, isn't it? Because he does rotate so much. So you know, well, as much as he's been unhappy with some he, of the stick he's been getting you can't keep rotating the team and expect to find results anyway that's then, just my then opinion he would write off so much money if yeah, he kept he the would, same yeah. team yeah. everyone would be like you've got 90 million Mudrick on the bench you've got yeah, 50 yeah, million yeah. Sterling you've got you know uh, everyone else Kovacic might I do feel for him because if he gets sacked you know what does that do for his career he's built such a good reputation as one of the best young coaches in English football and then he goes to Chelsea and it doesn't work out I mean, where where right. do you go from there? You'll get another opportunity Any, anywhere you want outside the top six. Yeah, because everyone would snap your hand off. I reckon fourteen teams in the Premier League could take Graham Potter. He'd come to a team now. like 100%. West Ham. West Ham. Yeah. West Ham yeah. would be sick on the Potter. It'd be great. Okay. Well, but, at the moment, Chelsea's Graham Graham Potter's Chelsea tenth in the Premier League after their defeat to Tottenham. That win for Spurs takes them back into the top four at the expense of Newcastle, who, of course, playing in the cup final yesterday. Newcastle dropped to fifth, but have played two fewer games. Arsenal still lead the way. Manchester City second, Man United in third at the bottom. Saints still the basement boys, propping up the rest. Bournemouth above them and Everton complete the bottom three. But out and above the dotted line for Leeds and West Ham. It's all shaping up nicely, isn't it, Jim? It's going to look good for the rest of the season, we hope. Still not very happy. Or comfortable. (laughs) Give it another four wins and maybe it'll look a bit rosier. All right, we'll wait and see. But that is it from us on today's episode of Football Social Daily. Thanks for your company. Don't forget to hit subscribe and that way you will not miss an episode again. We're speaking to Franny Benali, a Southampton legend, on Wednesday. We'll also be speaking to Pascal Chimbonda. That interview will be coming your way shortly. And as I mentioned, if you hit follow or subscribe, whatever it may be, on whichever platform you choose to listen to your podcasts on, that way you won't miss it. But from us at FSD, that's it. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.